Good day, tiny commuters and daily dosers, and welcome into the Daily Dose, the Friday edition, the later edition, because I couldn't get my butt up to start this podcast. Anyway, it's part of the Low Tree Studios Podcast Network, and of course, I'm your host, Jason Galbraith. It is Friday, February, as I like to say, uh, February 14th. Let's start your Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. And let's start your Valentine's Day with some random goodness. Well, first of all, I want to say happy Valentine's Day to you. I hope you have a a wonderful Valentine's Day, whether you celebrate it or not. So if you don't celebrate it, just have a great Friday. Try that. Start there. Have a great Friday. Uh, And then that's it. The rest is just, hey, a good day. You know what I mean? Because who cares, right? But I do have something really cool a little later on in this uh, bite-sized podcast about St. Valentine, if you didn't know a little, if you didn't know much about St. Valentine, I've got a little something about it. It's kind of cool. I dig it. I learned something. All right, well, let's get in it. Let's get into it here uh, with this. Reuters has announced that it will help Facebook and Instagram identify fake news as part of Facebook's third-party fact-checking program. Reuters, I don't know what, I don't know who Reuters is. Maybe you do. I thought that Reuters was, um, uh, you know, a company that goes around and ch- and clears out your drains. Rotor Rooter. Uh, those of you who live in Southern California, that will be familiar. I don't know. Are they are they are they international? Rotor Rooter. It's a hard. It's hard to say. Anyway, Rooter. Rooters will uh, will comb through photos, videos, headlines, and other posts in English and Spanish. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook to identify and review stories and determine whether they're fake. Reuters will be posting its findings on a special blog. So now we got to go to a special blog to look and see what's fake and what what isn't. Uh, House Bill 1143, which last month unanimously was approved by the Indiana House, bars employers from requiring the implantation of any identity or tracking device in their workers unless the workers voluntarily consent to having something put into their bodies. There currently are no employees in the United States that mandate employees have a device implanted or otherwise incorporated into their bodies as a condition of employment. But State Senator John Ford, the sponsor, noted that one company in Wisconsin and several in Sweden are using rice-sized microchips in their employees' hands. Mm, on a voluntary basis, and he's concerned about the trend coming to the Hoosier state. Yeah, nope, not doing. You're not doing that. Now, and if you threaten pl- employment, right? Oh, you, sorry, everybody here at this place of work. We need to know where you are at all times and what you're doing. So we're going to put a chip in your body, and if you don't do it, sorry, you don't have a job. Can you? Im- if it ever came to that, oh my goodness. What would you do? I would be homeless. I would not work. I'd go back to Starbucks. I'm not working for a company. I'm not putting a chip in my body just to have a good paying job. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to know what I do all the time. It's my life. You know, I just, if it comes to that, boy, is it coming to that? That's a little bit worrisome. I'm not going to stay up at night worrying about it, but it is something that I might maybe occasionally think about. And, and with that thought, there might be some worry. But then I'll let it go and I'll move on. You know, I'll podcast or I'll, I don't know, play Frisbee. I don't play Frisbee. I'll play pickleball. I'll do something else. I won't even think about it. But still, look, look at, look what's coming. 
Look what's coming, everybody. All right, next thing. Young people today have become much more open-minded about gender roles, but in one area, change has been minimal. They are holding on to traditional views about who does what at home. A new study from Gallup found that among opposite-sex couples, those age 18 to 34 were no more li likely than older couples to divide most household chores. Uh, ooh, equitably? Hmm. Equitably. And a sociology study published last month found that when high school seniors were asked about their ideal family arrangement with young children, almost a quarter said it was for the men to work full-time and the women to stay at home. That is so rare now, though. A larger share uh, than desired any other arrangement. Uh, a larger share than desired any other arrangement. Okay, so most, so basically what they're saying is, that's the way most of them felt, that the man should be working and the ladies should be at home. That's so different, though. I don't, I don't know that that's... Well, most, most women work nowadays, work full-time nowadays. It's so rare that you have a family like that. I do have one friend that is that does have that setup. He works full-time and, and his wife stays home and, and raises the kids, but that is so rare everywhere else. I don't see it anywhere. I don't see it anywhere. And many of the... There's many ladies where we work and they got families, they got kids, and they're working. It's such a rare thing. I don't really see it, but apparently that's the way people still feel that it should be. We have new information to report. In the news, a weirdo in Ireland has been jailed for 21 months for coercively controlling and harassing a woman he was in a relationship with by making more than 5,700 phone calls in her uh, to her in a four-month period, Kevin Dunleavy pleaded guilty to charges including coercive control, harassment, and making threats to damage property. The court heard that Dunleavy made 5,700 telephone calls to ooh, Kaomi Croissant between March and June in 2019 and became obsessed with his then-girlfriend to the point that he forced her to take her phone everywhere so he knew where she was. Hashtag creepy. Let me say that again. Hashtag creepy. Yikes. A group of instrument lovers, uh, movers, <laughs> lovers, a group of instrument movers efforts to carry out a pianist's $194,000 piano out of a recording studio in Berlin ended in a grand fail. Angela Hewitt, uh, one of the world's leading classical pianists, revealed that th the calamity in a heartbreaking Facebook post, Hewitt wrote, I feel ready now to share a very sad piece of news. It happened 10 days ago and has been such a shock to me that I didn't immediately want to share it with the world. The piano movers came into the control room uh, where I was finishing up with my producer to say they had dropped my precious Fazioli. Fazioli. Is that how you say it? Other pianists out there? They're like, no, that is so wrong. Oh my God, you said it wrong. Fazioli concert piano. Oh my goodness. So, well, that's an expensive piano. Why is it so much? Why is the piano so much? Is it because it's, why is it so much? That's a lot for a piano, man. I mean, it, it, you get there, right? Don't you get there in your own life where you're like, okay, how much is too much, right? Is it, is, and, and at what point is, is the amount of money that I'm spending going to, 
going to guarantee that this piano or this thing that I'm buying is going to be way better than all the other things that I'm buying, right? I mean, in, especially in music and ca cars are that way. Um, musical instruments are definitely that way. Like, okay, I got, I, there's a bass and there's a, there's a, a, a Fender at Guitar Center, a Fender bass at Guitar Center that's 400 bucks and it sounds good. Is it, how much better is the $1,800 one going to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be, oh my God, that's so much more amazing. Yeah, $194,000 piano. No thanks, man. Just get me one that's about a thousand. I'm good. That's probably a pretty crappy piano, though. Uh, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos has reportedly purchased a Beverly Hills mansion. Here we go with the money, right? <clears throat> this is exactly what I'm talking about. Has purchased a Beverly Hills mansion for, guess, guess, everybody. How much do you think? Jeff Bezos, Amazon CEO, very rich man, for $165 million, setting a record for the most expensive home sold in California. The property which has been described as a party palace, was designed in the 1930s. It features a 13,000-square-foot mansion. Ooh, wow. Two guest house, a tennis court, a swimming pool, and a nine-hole golf course. Wow, you never need to leave, right? <clears throat> Just stay there. It also includes a motor court that has its own garage and uh, gas pumps. Oh, man. You don't need to leave. That's a lot of money, though. Man. See, justification. How do you justify that? Well, I guess when you're, you know, multi-billionaire, you can do stuff like that. It was after he watched a guy roast a pigeon carcass over a spit, uh, over a spit on a Survivor show that Calgary, Alberta, Canada resident Curtis Fagan decided he wanted to try the bird for himself. He found out that young domestic pigeons are served by some North American restaurants, mostly fancy fresh French or Chinese ones, and had seen many pigeons flying and cooing around his neighborhood. Considered pest animals by the city of Calgary, residents have the freedom to catch and eat pigeons so long as it's done humanely and not with an illegal weapon. So late last year, Fagan and his roommate headed down to the underpass near their home. The underpass and hurled some rocks at a crowd of pigeons. Uh, and when one fell down uh, and, and when fell down his dinner and won. That is not written properly. Let me read. Sorry, everybody. Hold up. Let me read this sentence again. Uh, they hurled some rocks at a crowd of pigeons, uh, at a crowd of the birds. And when one fell down, they made dinner out of it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm revising myself because that sentence isn't great. Uh, they brained, they brined and deep fried their first pigeon. They brained. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm going to do? I think this is going to be fun. If I have the time, which I barely do anyway, I'm going to make, you guys don't even know how many blooper reels come out of me reading these daily doses. Some of them flow, man. Some of these daily doses, they're just whoop, no big deal. Oh, no editing. Awesome job. And then some it's like this where, okay, you, I've said it before and, and maybe you're going to sit in your, your high horse right now, you little high horsers. Maybe you're not. I, I have more respect for my, my listeners. than You're not high horsers. You're not. I know you love, you love listening to me fumble around. You probably don't. I don't know if you do, but, uh, I proofread about a sentence of it to see if I like it, uh, like what I'm, what I'm about to read, because I like to be surprised just like you. And then there's stuff like this. There's little, little, little landmines in here. 
throw me. And so I want to make a, a whole, uh, you know, like blooper reel thing and release that kind of thing as an extra content. I think that'd be fun. Anyway, these guys, they, uh, they, they cooked up a pigeon. Ah, Fagan said the pigeon was fantastic, like the most smooth and uh, lux- luxuriant steak I'd ever had. Who uses the word luxuriant? Luxuriate, luxuriant. Fagan now has 17 pigeons, including five breeding pairs in his backyard backyard garage. The average pair can rear 12 to 14 pigeons a year. When he's ready to eat, Fagan swiftly and mercifully removes the pigeon's head after making it go to sleep. Aww. This took a turn. Basically, tuck their head under a wing and swing them around until they relax. I don't know if I like the the way this is ending. Uh, they fall completely asleep, and it ends before they can wake up. Oh, and then he eats them. <sighs> I don't want to eat pigeon. I don't want to eat pigeon though, right? If, I guess if you're if you're raising them yourself, that's cool, right? Because then you know what you fed them, right? But but wild ones, what are they eating? I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to know that. A new dating app is looking to take physical appearance out of the equation. The idea behind S'more is that when you are not basing your attraction to someone on appearance, you're able to make deeper connections. The app recommends five profiles for you a day, a few personality traits, and a voice recording are available. Ooh, what if he has a sexy voice or he? Sexy voice. Uh, Through conversation, more about the person is unlocked. Oh, it's like a video game, huh? You have to interact with a person on the app and then their photos unblur and their private parts. Nope, that's not what it says. And their private and visual content begins to unlock. So, oh, that's cool, man. I think that's an awesome app. So as you have more conversation, you get more revealed. Oh, Oh, that's pretty sweet. That's brilliant. I like that one. Uh, This was a real court case a few years ago in Germany. It was over whether men should sit or stand to pee. What? Really? A landlord sued a male tenant for $2,200, contending that by refusing to sit down to pee, he had managed, uh, he had damaged the bathroom's marble floor. Hmm. Some toilets in Germany have signs that forbid standing up to urinate. But a judge ruled that urinating standing up is still common practice and thus is still within cultural norms. Don't sue the guy for uh, standing up to pee. Sue him for being a messy pig and not cleaning up his urine on the floor. You know? You know what I mean? Just like, that's, hey, here suing you for $2,200 for being a pig, not a standing peer. The State Medical Board of Ohio ruled Wednesday that Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals fans can't legally use medical marijuana to treat the suffering caused by their teams. Losers. Uh, Vincent Moreno of Cincinnati submitted a half-serious application to the medical board to allow medical marijuana for fans of Ohio's two NFL teams when Moreno filed the application he told the media i know this is him i know some people think it was maybe wrong because there are real medical conditions at the same time could it help yeah could it be considered a medical condition sure man 
you know, my teams suck. I added that last part. I'm going to keep adding some more, you know, and it like, I feel like I need the marijuana to help me cope with the fact that I live in a place where I have crappy football teams, man. I don't want to have to buy it illegally anymore. You know, these are your entertainment headlines. Yes, they are. And it's only one. I got one for you. Natalie Portman, which I like Natalie Portman. One of my favorite movies is The Garden State. I recently watched uh, Black Swan. She was in that. Very skinny in that. Very skinny. I'm not skinny shaming. I'm not doing that. But she looked almost ill. And the funny thing is, is she's very skinny on camera. So can you imagine how much more skinny she must be must have been in 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 uh, in real life, right? Because doesn't doesn't the camera add pounds visually? Anyway, Natalie Portman has responded to Rose McGowan's social media critique of her red carpet protest at the Oscars. In case you missed it, Portman created a stir with her decision to wear a black and gold dress that included a cape embroidered with the names of snubbed female directors. Her act of defiance. Didn't sit well with McGowan, who called Portman a fraud and said wearing the cloak wasn't an act of bravery. It was more like an actress acting the part of someone who cares. I find Portman's type of activism deeply offensive to those of us who actually do the work. Natalie, you have worked with two female directors in your very long career. One of them was you. Mm. You have a production company that has hired exactly one female director. You. In a statement, Portman agreed with McGowan that she didn't deserve to be called brave. I agree with Miss McGowan. McGowan. That's how you're supposed to say it. I'm just I'm just going over the uh, McGowan. I'm calling her McGowan. It's McGowan. Uh, I, I agree with Miss McGowan that it is inaccurate to call me brave for wearing a garment with women's names on it. Brave is a term I more strongly associate with actions like those of the women who have been testifying against Harvey Weinstein the last few weeks under incredible pressure. Portman went on to cite studies from Stacy Smith of UC, uh, USC who has chronicled the lack of studio movies made by women to claim that films from female filmmakers have a harder time getting greenlit or financed, which I, I imagine that's probably true. You know, that's just, a, it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate thing for sure. Let's move on to this. On this day in history, around the year 2700 AD, Valentine, a holy priest in Rome, in the days of Emperor Claudius II, was executed. Under the rule of Claudius the Cruel, Rome was involved in many unpopular and bloody campaigns. The emperor had to maintain a strong army, but was having a difficult time getting soldiers to join his military leagues. Claudius believed that Roman men were unwilling to join the army because of their strong attachment to their wives and families. To get rid of the problem, Claudius banned all marriages and engagements. In Rome, Valentine realized the injustice of the of the decree, defied Claudius, and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Valentine was arrested and dragged before the uh, prefect of Rome, who condemned him to be beaten to death with clubs and to have his head cut off. Mmm. That is so crazy the way they did things back then. Poor Valentine, man. 
You go against the government back then. I mean, cut your head off. Poor Valentine. Well, anyway, happy Valentine's Day. There's a, it's funny because it's a Hallmark holiday. But don't forget, this is a real thing. This is a this is this is a history. Yes, we've made it a holiday, but it's also a celebration of this guy who be- still believed in love, and went against uh, Claudius. You know, Cla- Claudius the Cruel went against Claudius the Cruel and uh, and and still married married folks. So that's a brave brave person there. So celebrate that. Think about that on Valentine's Day. If you don't have a lover out there, but you know you're not buying flowers or doing something special. Just think about Cla- poor, poor Valentine. Claudius the Cruel did some mean things to, to him and everything. I hope you're inspired. <laughs> it's not funny. I'm not, I'm not laughing at Valentine's demise. I'm not. But it was, th- that thing was news to me because I thought, you know, I really legitimately had no idea what the, who the hell St. Valentine is or why we celebrate Valentine's Day. I honestly thought it was an invent, it was invented by the Hallmark Company and by uh, Target or Zales or Jared's Jewelry. That's, I thought it was invented by them, but it's, it's a legitimate thing. It's a legitimate thing. Here's the water cooler question. 6% of Americans said they'd dump a potential partner if the person owned what? A crappy, ugly car. Wow. Really? You're so shallow. You're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. That's messed up, man. I wouldn't. Why would you? And I guess it depends on what stage you are in your life, right? If you're my age, 45, and you're dating, like you're out in the world and you're dating and you're single and ready to mingle, you start dating and you're like, mm, you drive a 1970s beat up Volkswagen bug that barely gets out of the driveway and you work at McDonald's part time and you're my age, maybe those are red flags, right? And you're like, mm, no, I don't think so. You know, I don't think so. Right, because I think you know you have a certain you have to have a certain standard for yourself. You've you've arrived. I'm 45. You know, I've got a job. Uh, you got to have your you've got a career. Get that career going. You got to have a career. I think you know at least something moving along. So those are some red flags. But uh, just just don't be so vain, folks. You know, you're 16, you're, you're 18, you're 20. They got a crappy car. They're on they're, they're the beginning. Let them build it up. Maybe they don't have debt. Think about that. Got an ugly car, but you don't have debt. I'm babbling on. Let's move on with the deep thought. All right, here it is. The one who falls and gets up is much stronger than the one who never fell. I'll read it again because I know it takes a minute because they're deep. The one who falls and gets up is so much stronger than the one who never fell. Yeah, yeah, you learn, man. You learn more from falling and getting up. That is for show. And if you never fell, then are you? You're just. Are you ever? Are you ever doing any doing anything that's gonna uh, t- that 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 puts you at risk of falling? Right, just living the safe life. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because I don't want to fall. Don't be afraid of falling, man. Because getting back up is how you how you build that character and how you build that knowledge and that wisdom to be a better version of yourself. Oh. 
And that's it for today's show. You lovely people have an amazing Valentine's Day and take care of your fellow travelers on planet Earth. I'll be back on Monday with more bite-sized goodness. Cheers and love ya.